as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot and I am Andy Wilson, also a big shiny robot. And you know what? This week we've only got one movie, and I'm the only one who saw it <laughs> because yeah. life exists. Uh, so this week we've got Going in Style, which is the uh, actually it's a. Did you know it's a remake? Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, realize that. George Burns movie. Yeah. yeah, George Burns, Art Carney, and Lee Strasberg back from 1979. Uh, so this is the uh, remake starring Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, and Alan Arkin. And these three gentlemen are elderly, and they, uh, you know, trying to get by, scrape by. Uh, <clears throat> Michael Caine's house is about to be foreclosed on. Uh, they're all kind of short on money, and uh, suddenly find out that the steel mill they worked at for 45 years is uh, leaving the country and going, uh, being outsourced to somewhere else. And because of that, all of their pensions are being dissolved. And so they're now stuck with how are we going to survive and live? With no money coming in, because they're essentially getting screwed by the system. Welcome uh, to Trump's America. <laughs> yes, welcome to Trump's America, very much so. Yeah. Uh, but the movie starts out with Michael Caine in, in a bank, and he's there while the bank gets robbed. And because of this, and because of the situation they're in, he suddenly dawns on him like, Hey, I know we're old people, but let's rob a bank. Let's go rob the bank that has all the money that our pensions are in, and we're only going to steal what's due to us. We're not going to steal more. They're just going to take the, the money left to them for as long as they live and you know, donate any more to charity. And so the three of them come together and put together a plan to rob this bank, and wackiness ensues. So, And you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Blow the bloody doors off. Hello, I'm Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do dueling Michael Caine for a while. What movie is it? Is it, uh, is it was it the trip? That's the Italian job. The, oh no, no. yeah, that. Oh the trip. Yeah, yeah. where uh, <laughs> they're doing dueling Michael Caine impressions. Yeah, I love that movie. Go see those movies because they're a million times better than the piece of crap we've got here. Oh, uh, no. So here's the thing: is this is an interesting idea. Uh, it's kind of funny, and honestly, for the last 15 minutes of this movie, everything kind of comes together. There's a cool little twist. And it becomes fun. It becomes enjoyable. And I kind of walked out with a smile on my face, thinking, oh, it wasn't as horrible as I thought. And then the more I thought about it and the more I kind of remembered what had happened for the first 75 minutes, the more and more angry I got because this movie is one running gag. From the moment the credits roll to, again, up to that last 15 minutes, we're just constantly reminded how old these guys are. Everything's an old joke. And you know what? It's funny the first time, but by the time you're 30 minutes in and you keep on being reminded, hey, these are old guys. Let's go laugh at them. Look at them try to shoplift. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's grating and annoying. And it's one 75-minute old person joke. And then the last 15 minutes are fun. And right when you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. I can get into this. It's over. So wow. there's very little redeeming value here. Uh, there's this, the, I, I don't know how many writers this movie had because it feels like there were about six or seven because there are little plot points that are left dangling that never make any sense. Like there's a whole thing with Michael Caine reconnecting with his uh, ex-son-in-law and trying to get him to be more involved in his granddaughter's life. And you see that about, you know, three or four minutes throughout the movie uh, and then it's never brought up again. So it's like, why did you even do this? There's, there was no point for that being there. It just, it just felt tacked on and annoying. And yeah, it's, it's just a bunch of old person jokes and that just doesn't cut it. So... 
I, I'm being nice, and actually, I am giving it an extra point because there's a really, really cute pug in it. <laughs> and <laughs> get me. Uh, so I'm giving it a three out of ten. It's it's not funny. It's not good. If you could sneak in and see the last 15 minutes and kind of know what's happening, that's enjoyable. But it's it's not worth spending any money to go see this. And I'm I'm very sad that I missed the screening because I'm sad I gave it money. Oh, that's sad. So, <laughs> um, the director was Zach Braff. So yeah, did, he should be ashamed of himself because he's much better than this. Did did uh did he have a hip alt rock soundtrack going on here or no? Was it, it wasn't. It was like no, it was horrible. Like it was. There were so many times in this movie that I put my hands over my head and just like I I wish I could walk out. I don't want to be here because it's so mind numbingly awful. And no, it was like remains of the day. Oh wow! You know the 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 writer here was the guy who wrote Hidden Figures and Saint Vincent, and he really? should be ashamed of himself. It sounds like yeah, Theodore oh Melfi. He's he's way too talented for this. Oh what is gosh. wrong with him? Wow. Well, that that's terrible because you had a very talented director, a very talented writer, three Hollywood legends who basically I, I could. I could and have watched dog crap movies with them in them, and it's still been fine. Yeah, well, and and they're not the problem. You know, those three actors are fine. Like, and they pull off the roles perfectly. They're engaging. That's the only reason why I gave it. You know, the score I did was because you want to see them on screen. They're funny. They're interesting people, and yeah, they're they're just fantastic actors. It's just they're surrounded by a crap movie, and I don't know if it's because they were trying too hard to. You know, reimagine the original as a modern modern take on it. If they're being too slavish to the original script, I, I haven't seen that one in like I, probably a decade or so. Uh, and I actually had forgotten that it was a remake until I looked it up again. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. Um, oh, I just I, I don't know how so many things could go wrong in this movie, but it did. And honestly, uh, it's funny because Anne Margaret plays one of the love interests in this movie, and it just oh. made me remember Grumpy Old Men, which had the same formula as this did, but it was smarter, funnier, and knew that you could have a movie about old people without constantly saying the word old every five seconds, which is what yeah. this movie does. Yeah. Oh, that's that's just terrible. Well, you know, since we don't have a ton to talk about and this this movie doesn't engage us the same way that say Ghost in the Shell does, I thought we should talk about other heist movies that we have enjoyed that people should go and and check out instead. Uh, so so I've got one. You've got one. Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Actually, you can go ahead. I've been okay. I've been uh, talking a bit. So yeah, talking <laughs> about. Mine's a very obvious choice. And uh, it is Steven Soderbergh's remake of Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is just kind of the quintessential classic heist movie. You get a group of... A bunch of different people together who all have to do different jobs in the heist and they all have to do it in a certain time and we in the audience get like 15-20% of what's going on and then there's the big reveal and and we finally figure out what they've done and what their actual plan was and it's like ooh that, that was so fun and uh, I, I think that the the cast was incredibly engaging. Every single one of the the main actors of the Ocean's Eleven were just fantastic, and of mm-hmm. course, it's it's led by George Clooney and Brad Pitt. 
It's like when your <laughs> secondary characters are are Matt Damon and and Bernie Mac uh, and and Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn. You're like uh, like this is this is awesome. And uh, you know there's a there's a there's a love story behind it. Uh, there's a great villain, Terry Benedict. Andy Garcia's Terry Benedict is a is a like a classic movie villain who you love to hate, uh, and you definitely side with these guys who are going to go rob a rich guy, and and you get why and you love it. Um, and Soderbergh, he he's kind of hit or miss, especially recently. Um, but yeah, more miss, I would say recently. Yeah, more more miss recently. But the guy knows how to put a movie together, and uh, Ocean's Eleven was a lot of fun, great cinematography, used the city of Las Vegas incredibly well, and uh, I, that's just a movie, if it's on TV, I'll, I'll like sit and watch it for 20, 30 minutes, because it's, it's just going to be a lot of fun. The sequels were also pretty good, uh, but uh, the, the original I'm, I'm very excited about. Uh, also interested in... Not involving Steven Soderbergh, but they are rebooting this with an all-female cast. Mm -hmm. And interested in in what they're going to do there. Because I I love good heist movie. Yeah, and it's funny because we were talking about this in Ocean's Eleven. I have not seen that movie, God, in in, in, in years. Maybe even like five, six years. Because for some reason, like you, you said, if it's on TV and you're flipping through, you'll always stop and watch it. I've never seen a pop up on TV when I'm flipping through. Like I've seen a million other movies that come up, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll sit and watch this for a bit. But Ocean's Eleven, I can't think of the last time I, I even saw that on TV. It just, I don't know if it's just because I'm a different time zone or what, <laughs> but <laughs> it never, never ever comes up on my TV anymore. But I actually might go watch it after we get done with this. Not a, not a bad choice. Yeah. But you've also got not a bad choice. I do, and it's funny because we were, we were both kind of looking things up and you know, using our Google foo to remember all the movies because there's so many out there and this came up and both of us were kind of like huh i never really thought about that but that's true uh and and mine is christopher nolan's inception uh it's one of my favorite movies chris nolan's one of my favorite directors um and if you disagree with me brian young you're wrong uh (laughs) (laughs) but no it's you know the christopher nolan's movie uh, is inception it's with leonardo dicaprio putting together a team of people to travel into uh, someone's mind to implant a thought to make him change his mind about uh, the way he's taking the direction of a company. And it's it's not the traditional heist in the sense that they're not trying to steal something, they're trying to actually you know, drop something off, but it plays out the exact same way, where you've got a whole team of people who everyone has their own unique and special role. I mean, you've got Ellen Page, she's the one who kind of designs everything. Uh, you've got... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's the one who kind of figures everything out. Tom Hardy is the man of many different faces, putting on this, you know, making everything work. And as they go deeper and deeper and deeper into the subconscious, they, you know, the stakes get higher and higher as Killian Murphy, who's the character they're trying to uh, get into, his uh, subconscious and mind reacts and sends a bunch of people after them to kill them. It follows the, the basic plot structure of a good heist movie. Like we said, everyone has their own parts, stakes are high. Um, but it does it in such a unique visual storytelling way that 
you know, I'd never really seen before. It's really interesting, very well done. And the fun thing I was mentioning to uh, Andy a minute ago before we started doing this was uh, I do read a lot of articles on Cracked. Most of them are crap, but every now and then they have some that are kind of fun. And one of the ones they brought up, and it's actually a, kind of a fan theory that's been floating around outside of the sphere, is that the movie Inception is actually about making movies. How every single character has their own kind of role to play. So, and for instance, Tom Hardy's character, he's the actor because he literally can change faces and become whoever he wants. Um, Ellen Page's character is the screenwriter because she designs everything. Uh, Ken Watanabe, he's the studio exec because he's paying for everything. And it kind of goes through the list and breaks down uh, you know, the different characters and how they contribute to not only the heist, but also to the act of filmmaking. So whether or not you want to believe that, it's still kind of a fun fan theory. And you know, going back, watching it, and then reading that over again, you can kind of see how it works. But, you know... Either which way, it's still a great movie to watch. Uh, it's tremendously well done. And it was cool because it's one of the ones that I remember very distinctly going to see with some friends. And then immediately afterwards, going to Starbucks and dissecting it for three hours. Because there's a yeah. lot of content there. Uh, and not just the way the movie ends. Some people say it's a cop-out uh, with the decision that was made with a spinning top at the very, very last scene of the movie. I don't think it is, but it's still, there's a lot to talk about. And there's a lot of really good philosophies um, and discussions you can get out of it. Yeah, I, I really liked Inception, and it's one of those movies that you immediately do have to talk about because there's so much there. And, uh, I mean, it Inception, it was really funny. Like, when it first came out, everyone was, like, peak Nolan, where everyone's, oh, yeah. it's, like, post-Dark Knight, and everyone's like, this guy can't do any wrong. And then a bunch of, like, naysayers came in and started like crapping on the movie Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and everyone just it the opinion just went down and and people started making fun of it for some some somewhat obvious flaws but i mean any movie dissected enough is going to show some of those problems but the first time going through it and the experience if you're if you're allowing yourself to get taken on that journey and to be conned along with them, because mm-hmm. I mean, a heist is essentially a, a you know a, a big con in order to steal something. If if you go along with them, it works great, and and you have a good time. And and rather than turn your brain off and have fun, it's uh, tune in and and think about this and think about some of these issues, and and there's room for debate about that ending, which which I like. And I think people are going to continue to look back at Inception as a great movie from uh, the last 10, 15 years and an example of what movie making was like in, in like the early part of the 21st century. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely one that will, I think will stand the test of time. And it, it's kind of funny you mentioned that everyone was all about it and the naysayers came out and kind of turned people against it. Because yeah. it's almost like the, the trendy, hip thing to do is to find a movie that people like and just like, oh, well, what about this? What about this? I mean, one of my well, one of my favorite movies from a couple of years ago was Looper. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can go back. I can go back right now and I can tear that movie apart and to find every little plot hole and why the ending doesn't work and how it doesn't really make sense for a time travel movie. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a time travel movie. No matter what kind of movie you have, you're going to have plot holes. That's just the essence of dealing with any kind of subject matter that involves moving back and forth in time yeah. uh, but at the same time you, you can't do that I mean yes our job is to take a movie 
and pull it apart and look at how it was made and how it's being presented. But that has little to do with how enjoyable it is sometimes. I mean, you and I have both talked about the fact that there's a lot of really crappy movies that we both love. Yep. And it's because they're fun. Like, we're going to see uh, The Fate of the Furious coming up this week. Yep. Uh, that'll be our movie for ne- our next next week. Uh, and guess what? They're not good movies. But they are so much fun. And I just have a blast watching them. And yes, am I going to sit there and talk about what's good and what's bad with it? Of course I am. That's my job. That's our job. But that doesn't mean I can't say, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean... Yeah. Like we, we yeah. talked about last week was Power Rangers. It had a, I had a lot of problems. But it's the most fun I've had a movie since probably Rogue One. It's like if if I if I've got a big old bag of potato chips and I'm like, uh, I had a really good time eating that bag of potato <laughs> chips. Was it was it great food? No, but like I, I it it gave me exactly what I wanted out of it. So, you know, there there you go. Yeah, so but yeah, so, so again, my, my pick is Inception. If you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch it again. I, I just uh, popped it in, uh, I'd say about a month ago. Because it was on TV, it was in the middle, and I just like, oh, I want to watch this all over again. And yeah. there's still, like, even after I've seen the movie probably 20 times, I still find new stuff in it every single time that is really enjoyable and makes me think. And, you know, there, there's few movies I can go back over and over again and glean something new every single time. Well, I... I generally like Christopher Nolan. Um, I, I'm neither a huge booster nor someone who, who hates on him. Uh, but I really liked Inception. I liked two of his three Batman movies. Me too. Uh, and, um, and, and you and I at some point were going to have to talk about Interstellar because that is a big movie that you and I really disagree on because I hate it. I love you it. You love it. <laughs> and and that's one of the like few big movie disagreements that you and I have. Um, but I don't think that I don't think that that makes Nolan a bad director. I think that sometimes, uh, you know, the the problems that people had with Inception was like he he was a little bit too much uh, up his own digestive tract, if you will, to put it nicely. <laughs> um, and and I think that there that was very much true of uh, of Interstellar. But what I'm really excited about is Dunkirk. Yes, and really uh, that one that looks really cool. I love a good World War II movie, and uh, what happened at Dunkirk was obviously like a, an amazing feat of humanity and a tragedy and uh and i'm really looking forward to it so uh i'm i'm also going to have to go and take a look at inception i'm gonna have to put that in and watch it again and and remember how much i enjoyed it because i haven't i don't think i've seen it in like four or five years so uh we we've both given each other movies to go yes. watch <laughs> which is which is kind of the the best way out of this it's like don't go see that crappy movie go see these good movies. go see the good one yeah <laughs> yeah okay so that'll things up through this week uh going in style to just go away <laughs> yeah don't go see it go there's there's plenty of good stuff out there uh and if you want to stay home either pop in oceans 11 or inception those are both better heist movies uh like we mentioned earlier next week we've got fate of the furious which is the eighth Eighth movie in the Fast and the Furious series, uh, which kind of got a reboot, reboot back with five. So if you don't want to go watch all of them, start with five and go from there because that kind of puts everything back on the same storyline that we're, we're seeing now. So 
kind of excited for that one. I'm sure it'll be big, dumb fun. And yeah. But until next week, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly. Well, broadsheet journalists have described my impressions as stunningly accurate. Well, they're wrong. I've not heard your Michael Caine, but I assume it would be something along the lines of. My name's Michael Caine. That is where you are right. so wrong. That's and you can a, look at my that's, live video that's, for proof, that's, because that's, I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you, Michael Caine? OK. I say, Michael Caine used to talk like this in the 1960s, right? But that has changed. And I say that over the years, Michael's voice has come down several octaves. Let me finish. And all of the cigars and the brandy, don't let me finish, can now be heard. OK. In a, I've not fin- finished in the back of the voice, and the voice okay. now. Well, I've still not finished the voice. Because you're panicking. I've, yeah, because you look stop. like you're about to bloody talk. Let me finish. Right, so, Michael Caine's voice now, in the Batman movies, and in Harry Brown. I can't go fast, because Michael Caine talks very, very slowly. Right, this is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When he gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. She was only 16... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Michael Caine.